This week, it's the two-year anniversary of a certain viral video that deeply impacted my life, so we're going to talk to the subject of that video. That's right, the viral Beat Saber video starring Swan VR slashing away to Escape With Me first hit the airwaves two years ago and brought VR into households from sea to shining sea. Or at least I brought it into my household. So to celebrate that milestone, I sat down with Swan to talk about that video and to chat about what she's doing these days. This is the Benefit of a Dowd Podcast. to start off this episode by saying that this is week two of the podcast, but there's two problems with that. One, the first five episodes are being released all at once, so who cares? And two, deciding when to stop ticking off the weeks is fairly arbitrary, so I'm just going to go ahead and arbitrary right now. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and you might be saying to yourself, wow, this is the most amazing podcast I've ever heard. I wonder what I could do to help it out and make sure it stays on the air. Well, that's simple, and the options start with free and go up from there. For free, you can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or anywhere else you can rate shows. Unfortunately, and stupidly, that does not include Google Podcasts or Pocket Casts, so yeah, sorry. Now, I'm not going to drone on and on about other ways to help. Just visit BenefitOfADowd.com slash support, and you'll see everything else. Once again, that's BenefitOfADowd.com slash support. So now that you've skipped ahead 30 seconds in your podcast player, let's dive into the news of the week. Our top news of the week has to be Google's cancellation of its annual developers conference, Google I.O., due to coronavirus concerns. Personally and professionally, I'm a little disappointed in this, but I completely understand the concern. On the plus side, maybe we can finally credit coronavirus for showing huge companies what tech reviewers have known for a long time. You don't really need a big tech conference for a product launch. Now, before you scream at your phone, I will acknowledge the fact that Google I.O. isn't a product launch event. Mostly. It's a developer's conference, and for those who speak code, this is very valuable time to get face-to-face contact with people building developer tools, which is very valuable. Up to $1,000 per ticket valuable, because you know Google needs more money. So I feel for those developers who will not get that time with engineers. That is a bummer. But, you know, so is getting really sick and possibly dying, so overall I think Google's making the right call here. OnePlus started off the week by telling us that there would be a surprise announcement and it wouldn't involve a phone. Oh, really? What could it be then? New bullet headphones? A new TV, perhaps? Uh, no. It's a 5G snowball fight. A what now? Yes, it's a 5G snowball fight. OnePlus set up what amounts to robot tennis ball shooters to fling snowballs at each other. They can be controlled from around the world via 5G. <sighs> Seriously? Of course, since this is a brand new podcast launching at the end of the month, by the time you hear this, that event will be over, but let's be totally honest here. Did you really miss anything? Yeah, not really. Now, what's cool about this is that the 5G capability will allow the robots to respond wirelessly and with very little latency. But honestly, 
this isn't really that big of a deal, and it's actually stuff like this that makes the world mock 5G more than it looks forward to it. Especially when a large snowball lands on an antenna and blocks the millimeter wave signal and the robot just shuts down. I get it, OnePlus. You've had success and you have some extra money. Awesome. Go to benefitofadow.com slash support and you can be a top tier patron and you don't even need to build a robot. If you have been clamoring for the best Chrome OS tablet on the market, which is to say really the only Chrome OS tablet on the market, the Pixel Slate is now officially in fire sale mode, slashing prices down between $300 and $700 and throwing in a free pen and keyboard at the same time. In other words, the fire sale is bringing down the cost of the Pixel Slate to where it should have started to begin with. The entry-level Core M3 Slate now starts at $500 and it goes up from there. Reviews for the Pixel Slate were fairly mixed, with a lot of reviewers pointing at the $800 starting price tag for the not-very-good Chrome tablet as a major point of contention. Bringing that down to $500, plus throwing in the pen and keyboard help, but really, with a Core M3, there are better Chromebooks out there, two-in-ones even, that you can get for that price point. Personally, I'd hold off on picking one up, but I did just grab a $250 iPad with keyboard off of Amazon, so I'm not exactly the target audience here. In the Venn diagram of space nerds, science nerds, and computer nerds, the intersection is labeled SETI at Home. SETI at Home was basically a project out of the 80s that utilized unused computing power in your home computer to analyze radio static intercepted by a dish to see if there were recognizable patterns. You installed a screensaver on your computer. Yeah, a screensaver. That's how far back this goes. And when you weren't at your computer, SETI at Home was churning through the static to find ET... Or Thanos, it could have gone either way. Well, the at-home part of SETI at Home is now going away. No new data will be fed out to the millions of computers around the world for analysis as of the end of this month. SETI at Home isn't going away, though. They still have terabytes of data to sift through before they can officially let Captain Marvel know that her services will no longer be needed. And also, actual SETI continues, so there is hope that we'll find intelligent life on other planets, since we've pretty much given up on finding intelligent life on this one. Oh, leave me alone. It's an election year. Apple may owe you some dough. Remember a few years back when Apple was caught red-handed, purposefully downgrading CPU cycles in order to make you buy a new iPhone? <clears throat> I mean, to help you conserve your battery? Well, enough people called BS on that to turn into a class-action lawsuit, and Apple decided to settle while, of course, admitting no wrongdoing. If you follow the link in the show notes, you can fill out the form and find out if you qualify for around 25 bucks for Apple's sales pitch, <clears throat> I mean, misdeeds. Personally, I'll fill it out because I have an iPhone 6 and I definitely noticed it slowing down. I mean, no, I actually really didn't, but even so, $25 is still $25. So there's this weird thing that voice assistants do that has researchers at Washington University in St. Louis scratching their heads. It seems voice assistants listen to frequencies from a much wider range than a human voice is capable of producing. What that means is that voice assistants can detect ultrasonic frequencies reverberating through a table that the human ear cannot hear. And what that means is that if you set your phone down on a table that has been properly rigged up, someone could potentially send unhearable voice commands to your phone and hear the results. 
One of the more nefarious uses for this would be to, for example, retrieve a two-factor authentication code from your phone while trying to hack your bank account. Now, granted, there are a lot of caveats here. First, they have to have a table connected up to transmit ultrasonic voice frequencies. Then, they need a microphone to hear the response. It's not exactly an easy setup, but it's not terribly hard either. So, should you throw your phone into a pillowcase and run screaming? No, but you might want to deactivate your assistant if your phone is locked. Personally, I'm not going to change anything because I'm not too worried about it. But also, why does the phone even recognize a command that comes from an ultrasonic frequency? It seems like that should be a safeguard built into it. And by the way, this works for Siri and Google, so I'm not pointing any fingers here. No one tested Alexa because <laughs> it's Alexa. New Pixel phone features dropped this week. Now when you're in a car accident, your phone can call for help even if you can't. That's awesome, but maybe get off your damn phone and you won't get into an accident, you know? Just saying. Motion Sense is apparently much improved as well, which is to say it actually kind of works now, so that's nice. It only took them six months to figure out how to make their Halo Pixel 4 feature work. Google Duo added AR features, so it's much more Snapchat FaceTimey, but it also makes it a little less Duo, and that's a good thing. Plus, Google added the ability to schedule your dark theme to activate at sunset in case you want your phone to act like a GPS. Probably should have been there from the start, but hey, we're all new at this, so no judging. Google also added quick access to your wallet, not to be confused with Google Pay, which used to be called Google Wallet, but now is just a wallet inside of Google Pay. So I'm glad Google cleared all that up. And finally, Google Assistant can now read an entire web page to you. And if that sounds like a terrible experience, it is, assuming you can see. If not, this feature is very handy for the visually impaired. All of these features will be available on your Pixel phone. So if you're not using a Pixel phone, you can just suck a big one. If you've always dreamed of going to space without having to sleep with a Japanese billionaire, NASA has some good news for you. They're hiring astronauts. Seriously, there's like an application on LinkedIn and everything. Well, actually, it's usajobs.gov, but still, it's an online application. Of course, the qualifications are fairly steep. You need to have an advanced degree in a STEM field, and I don't think my theater degree counts on this point. Shame. Plus, you also need two years of related professional experience. Like another space agency, not NASA? How exactly does NASA propose that you get two years of related professional experience short of building your own rocket? Plus, you need at least 1,000 hours of pilot in command time in a jet. So do frequent flyers count? Because pilots are usually in command of 747s. I'm just saying. This whole thing sounds like some bored HR worker putting together qualifications, and I had hoped that our highest space agency would be you know, above that. But I guess HR is still HR, no matter where you HR. Good luck, listeners. I just hope someone eventually listens to the benefit of a Dowd podcast while traveling through space. Last year, Oppo announced the Oppo Reno 3 5G for overseas markets, but Oppo took pity on us poor Westerners and released a 4G variant for the other markets. This isn't really significant, except that I'll actually be reviewing this phone for BoardAtWork.com, and that'll actually probably be out by the time you listen to this. 
Two things that interest me in particular. First, I haven't used a smartphone with a MediaTek chipset in a very long time, so I really want to see how that performs. Plus, according to some reviewers who looked at the Oppo Find X3, ColorOS is not a dumpster fire anymore, so I definitely want to see what's up with that. Also, the 64-megapixel camera can use a super resolution setting, I'm using air quotes here, to capture a 108-megapixel photo, so that's high on my testing list as well. Ron Amadeo over at Ars Technica released his review of the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip, and it's not awesome. Unlike Michael Fisher, who you heard about last episode, Amadeo is not a fan of the folding form factor, and hey, that's cool. He makes several compelling arguments about how the Z Flip is not as nice to use as a flat slab of glass. The screen isn't scratch-resistant, even with the ultra-thin glass coating, and the hinge is a lot more like a laptop hinge than a flip phone hinge. All good arguments, but at the end of the day, I gotta take the side of foldables here because these are exciting times in an industry that's just getting started, especially when you consider our next story. One thing Michael Fisher talked about in our last episode was how manufacturers are really starting to play around, and this is particularly evident in the two concepts that TCL showed off in New York this week. One is a tri-folding Z-shaped phone, which opens up two additional panels into one large 10-inch tablet. The other is a scrollable phone that starts off as a phone, but then slides out to the side, expanding the screen to a 7.8-inch square-ish tablet. And it's really a sight to be seen, and it's something that I've wanted to see ever since that Samsung ad from around 2015 with that dude who pulls out the little tube and expands the screen out from it. I love this idea really hard, but it should be mentioned that TCL is definitely taking its time on these. This is only a proof of concept. There is one working prototype, and it's currently sitting in the middle of coronavirus country, Wuhan, China. Even if the working prototype were here, it's a long way away from mass production. So if the purpose of this preview showcase was to gauge interest in each idea, TCL, this one, definitely. This is the one. Just make it and we'll all be happy. You've heard of tweets, but have you heard of fleets? No? Then you don't live in Brazil. Have you heard of Snapchat stories or Instagram stories or Facebook stories? Well, then you know what fleets are. Yes, indeed. Twitter is bringing the story concept to its platform, and can't you just sense the excitement? It'll be really great, though. I'll be able to expand my repertoire of services on which I don't use the Stories feature, and that looks great on a resume. Seriously, Twitter, edit button. Screw Stories, edit button. Yes, I know, Jack A-hole Dorsey said it'll never happen, but that doesn't mean I'll stop wanting it, you jerk. Sonos got into a little hot water with its longtime users a few months ago when it offered a 30% discount on new gear if you traded in your old gear. What jerks, am I right? Well, actually, yes, because in order to get that discount, you had to put your old device into something called recycle mode, which permanently bricked the device, making it utterly useless for resale. Sure, a trade-in center could strip it for parts, but that was it. The old stuff was still okay, it just wasn't getting any updates anymore, and bricking a working device just seemed... Wasteful. Well, as of this week, Sonos has rolled back that policy. You can still get a 30% discount for new gear, but you no longer have to drive a stake through the heart of the old stuff, which is nice. Isn't it nice how everything is so nice? Yeah, that's nice. 
And finally, YouTube has taken it upon itself to demonetize videos relating to the coronavirus because it wants to help curb the spread of false information, which is great. But if a creator has good information to spread, they're discouraged now from, you know, spreading it, which kind of sucks. But it's the inherent flaw in any platform that allows users to upload. You see, people are full of crap. And if you allow people to upload anything they want, they're gonna upload some of that crap. Now, not all crap is bad crap, some crap is just fine crap. But when you're uploading 500 hours of crap every second, you can't possibly weed out all the good crap from all the bad crap, so you just have to ban all the crap, which is kind of crappy. So anyway, the YouTube video associated with this podcast will also be demonetized. And I'm happy to say at this stage of the game, I'm not really missing out on a ton of money from that, because otherwise I'd be pissed. But since we're going to get demonetized anyway, let's just go ahead and make with the demonetization. But first, we need to take care of a little something that helps pay the bills, since this video will be demonetized. You probably shop at Amazon, right? Sure you do. I shop there, honestly, probably way more than I should. Fortunately, there's a great way that you can do what you do and help out the show at the same time. If you visit benefitofadoubt.com support, you'll find a link to my Amazon store. There's a few sections in there, including my everyday carries and other products that I've reviewed and or talked about on the show. So you can pick something up from there, or if nothing there suits your fancy, go ahead and search up something else on Amazon and buy that. Either way, I'll get a small commission and it won't cost you a thing. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com support. That's benefitofadoubt.com support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofthedowd.com support. I hope you visit, and as always, I thank you for listening. If you have heard of virtual reality, it's probably because of Beat Saber. And if you have heard of Beat Saber, it's probably because of my guest today. Whether it's true for everyone or not, it's certainly true for me. Swan VR's video of Beat Saber's Escape With Me set me on a path to becoming the best Beat Saber virtuoso in Chicago. These days, Swan roams the world with her Oculus Quest, bringing joy and VR to others as a creative marketing director at Andromeda Entertainment and practitioner of Flow State. And today, she joins us here on the benefit of a doubt podcast swan vr i humbly welcome you to the show thank you so much adam it's great to be here well i'm it's it's great to have you and i have to i have to admit i am a fan of yours like i remember when i first saw your video i thought it was the most amazing mind-blowing thing in in the world and i just and i i instantly fell in love with vr with beat saber and if i'm a little honest with you too but anyway oh uh, thanks (laughs) So I just want to I want to start off by talking about that video because it just passed its two year anniversary on March the is the fourth. Don't worry, Beat Saber had to remind me too. They messaged me they're like, do you want to do a video on the fourth? I'm like, oh wait, that was an anniversary shit. Okay, so I quickly made up a video. Right? Yeah, and I I saw that video. Awesome stuff. But I want to take a look at that video real quick, and I just want to break down the elements of that viral video from a middle-aged white dude's perspective. You've got lightsabers in a Guitar Hero fashion being played by a woman in a fancy dress, and I honestly don't know if that was fancy or not. I'm I'm a dude, so I don't know. It It was was fancy. fancy. I've had so many girls hit me up (laughs) trying to buy that dress from me. Yeah, now that's got to go up in the VR Hall of of Fame, if you ask me. Yeah. 
I need to save it for a museum piece for some like future VR museum that's going to happen in the future. There you go. And But it's funny because you take all of those elements and you put them together. And I don't know any better way to ma- engineer a video to go viral. I mean, it just had all the it had all the stuff. So I guess my first question is the dress. Was that just standard VR attire at the time? It was my outfit. So the thing about me is like I'm a burner. <laughs> And I've been always like expressing my real world avatar in a way, um, where okay. basically I go off to Burning Man, wear outfits. My friend is a fashion designer. She creates this line called Yoshi Zen Couture. And she like makes these awesome sequence outfits and like these goddess robes. So I just feel like a badass at Burning Man. And for me, I kind of like were, I was like really big on the anime scene when I was like a lot younger and I was like cosplaying a little bit. So for me, like getting hired by Liv, they're like, hey, can you do a series of videos? We basically partnered with this company called Beat Saber. We're trying to like basically showcase mixed reality because if I can rewind back time, back to January, 2018, uh, Liv just launched its beta platform for like mixed reality mm-hmm. streaming. And at the time, barely anybody knew about them. Like they only had like a couple hundred people on their discord. Now it's like tens of thousands. Right. So we were looking for content. So what about like what about waking up the next morning and having your phone absolutely, you know, blowing up nonstop about that video? Describe that describe that feeling that if you could. Oh my god, it was crazy. I woke up and I had so many notifications. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And my friends were tagging me. They're like, oh my God, this is you. It's like, oh my God. And I had random people from my travels, like this girl I met uh, in like the city of Versailles years ago when I was studying in Amsterdam. Like she messaged me. It's like, oh my God, I just saw your video. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to you in like years. Like, this is crazy. So it was great. Like I had a lot of messages from really good people. They were like, uh, one of the messages that stuck out was this father. He was like, oh, my daughter really loves gaming, but none of her friends like game because like they're, uh, it's mostly a boy thing. So she's been gaming of her um, like brothers, but she saw your video and it inspired her to like become a gamer. And I'm just like, this is great. Like, this is amazing. So I was kind of really taken back by everything. Like I didn't expect that video to have as much influence as it did because for me, I was just like, oh, I'm just making this video and I want it to look like a badass playing this like game to showcase how cool VR is. And it had a bigger reach and a bigger influence than what I had anticipated originally. So Liv is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Liv is an open sourced platform that allows you to project a VR image. Now, initially it was on a green screen, but if I remember correctly, later on in the development process, they actually were able to eliminate the green screen. But uh, basically, you're able to take shoot a video of yourself wearing a VR headset, but you're also shooting a video of you within that VR reality. Is that, is that, does that basically sum it oh, up? Almost right. Um, so Liv is not okay. open source. It is its own uh, proprietary kind of software. They have engineers behind it. The CTO is Rue. He was also another okay. streamer of Beat Saber. So it gives you the okay. illusion that the person's in virtual world, which is really interesting because one of the reasons why the video went so viral is like people didn't know what was happening. They thought I was CGI. They thought I was an anime character. There were so many people <laughs> that had no idea what was going on. So it was pretty interesting. But now there's a surplus of mixed reality videos. So right now the novelty of mixed reality has kind of gotten a little bit subsided because there's tens of thousands of Beat Saber videos. If you just look up mixed reality, right. Beat Saber, there's tens of thousands of them. 
Right, right. And and speaking of Beat Saber videos, your video, as of this recording, has 9,379,728 views on YouTube. And I want to talk to you about impact. In your opinion, how much impact has that video had on your personal life two years later? And also, what about the impact of the genre of VR in general? Okay, so the impact of my personal life is not as extreme because I kind of freaked out and like removed my ad friend button on Facebook because I ended up getting like 500 friend requests in like the first hour from random people and I wasn't really ready to go public with like my life and all the contents that were on my Facebook um, um, but like in terms of my life now it's gotten me more known in the VR space so I personally don't really care too much about like social media like I post occasionally but I like meeting people mm -hmm. in real life and for me it's given me an opportunity to kind of really be a digital nomad it, it kind of allowed me to escape into a freedom that I didn't have before so um, so right after the video, I got hit up by a bunch of indie studios asking me to create them a viral video of their game. And I, I don't know, it's just like, that's, that's not how marketing really works. And for me, I had my choice. So right after Live, I got hit up by a bunch of studios and one of them was Andromeda Entertainment. And it was so aligned with me because all the people, like the co-founders and everybody else, they were burners, they were artists, they were creatives, and they wanted to do wellness technology, digital wellness, um, and basically focus on meditation and dance and other things to like basically help people feel better, especially since VR is so like it's so intense it's not just pressing a bunch of keys you're actually moving you're becoming the avatar so their theme is like leveling up your real world avatar so i really aligned with them and culture wise we got along really really well so i ended up joining them awesome. and that was just aligned with me uh, like just perfectly so it kind of gave me a way of like you know getting into a career that like really fits into my lifestyle, one. And two, I've been speaking at a lot of events about being a female content creator and also like how to make great content in mixed reality and also being an advocate about like flow state, how to get into flow state. So it's been really great. Like I've been really enjoying in terms of like um, being more out there as an advocate for VR and an advocate for like personal self-care. Now I wanna, I definitely wanna circle back to Andromeda and Flow State. Now, do you still play Beat Saber these days? Oh yeah, like I'm playing the 360 levels, like Expert Plus, like it's great. Like I love the 360 levels. I would love to create more content, but like for mm -hmm. me, I'd rather do it in mixed reality and it's like really hard to create content when I'm like jumping around from place to place. Like I just, so it's not really conducive for like, <laughs> creating content, but eventually I'm thinking about moving to LA where I'm able to collaborate with more content creators and start creating okay. content again, because I do enjoy it. But right now I really just want to travel and have my fun. Be honest. How much does missing that one note haunt you to this day? <laughs> um, so that's a crazy thing. Like that original <laughs> video, I wasn't going to release that. Um, but because of the other, so I had another video that I made the front page of Reddit. So we released it and our thought was, okay, you missed that one block. We can always take it down. At least we got the Reddit wave. We can always like, you know, reshoot it and then put up a new video. I'm like, cool. And then it went viral and then we're like, shit, that's crazy. So for me, um, I was kind of like, <laughs> wow, it's, it's, it's more of a lesson that timing is, is, it's, it's, it's more of a concern of timing than perfectionism. I feel like so many people miss out on opportunities because they're too perfectionist. And I think it's better to okay. optimize for timing than to be a perfectionist. But for me, like I can actually redeem myself because I reached out to the Beat Saber team. I was like, hey, 
In the original like soundtrack, the only one that doesn't have a 360 level is Escape. Why is that? So we've been talking back and forth, and they're they're looking into making a 360 level of Escape. And I already reached out to like Live and Splitverse about shooting another video where basically I get a perfect combo, so I can actually redeem myself thankfully go. to the 360 levels. So I'm going to bring Excellent. back that dress and then see what happens. But what are you doing these days? What are you, uh, you? You mentioned that you were you're with Andromeda Entertainment. Um, what are you? Uh, what are you working on these days? Well, so for Andromeda, I'm helping a lot of the indie games that they sign on to create content in terms of trailers,、um, working with influencers, doing partnership marketing. Like with Audio Trip, it's like a dance VR game.、Um, we had a partnership going with、uh, Vive for a little bit for some activations. We did an activation with Alienware at South by Southwest last year, and we're just doing all these partnerships just to get more awareness about the game because. The indie game market—it's really hard to get noticed unless you have a viral video or something really profound happens, or you're Valve and you release Half-Life Alex. So for indie <laughs> game studios, it's really hard to get noticed. And then SoundSelf—I'm helping them get like streamers. That's more of the meditation streamers, which is really hard to find. So if you're a streamer、mm-hmm. that love meditation and or content creator in the meditation space, I would love to talk to you. So I've been doing that, helping them, doing a lot of like event activation with them, doing a lot of collaborations with Live, YUR, and everything else. And then my personal life, I've been I've lately been invited in a lot of、uh, like incubators. So I'm currently in Medellin in the Psych Incubator. It's called the Psych Collective, and they're hosting like events in London and like this event in like、um, in August right before Burning Man. So it's an idea of like wellness and like、uh, plant medicine. Yeah, and then、um, here in Medellin, I've just been meeting a lot of crypto people and people from like Puerto Rico and stuff like that. So it's been great. Like、um, I've just been working on community building. Like one of my dreams is to open up an artist retreat somewhere and just like have it like as a creative space. So for me, it's、uh, for me it's partially working part time in like the virtual reality space and helping like Andromeda like get the word out. And the other part of me is like basically community building because it's something that I really really believe in. Like Neo. Neo tribalism and everything else.、Um, so instead of living by yourself in a nuclear family, having to depend on like either like your partner or your parents or your children to like keep you company, it's the idea of like you know it、yeah. takes a village to raise a child. So that's basically what、awesome. I'm doing in my personal life. Cool. So now I want to talk about、uh, flow state.、Um, what is flow state? And because an audio podcast is clearly the best place to try to explain <laughs> that. So, like, what、um, y- you reference flow state a lot in a lot of your videos, and actually you've mentioned it a couple of times on the show. So I wanted to see if we can get a little、uh, clarification as to what flow state actually is. So there's an amazing book by Jamie Wheel called、uh, Stealing Fire, and it talks about like Navy SEALs, like Google executives, and how they reach flow state. Flow state's like this idea. Of like, like it's just like intuition meets like、um, passion in a way for me.、Um, it's like basically everything just goes away and you're hundred percent focused. For some people, it's skydiving. That's like adrenaline junkie flow state. For some people, it's doing yoga and meditation. That's like a meditative flow state. But it's an activity that you do where you basically you lose sense of time. It could be like painting. It could be like playing the guitar. And for me, flow state was a huge part of it because during that video. I really got into flow state. Like in the very beginning, like you can see that like I'm slowly getting into it, and then once I hit that flow state thing, I was just like rocking it and just like really breezing through it. And the、mm. magic of flow state, it makes everything seem so easy. So I've had so many people contact me after Beat Saber got released, and they're like, "Oh, I saw your video playing Escape on Expert." So I just 
uh, I played that as my first level and I failed out in like five seconds, you made it look so easy. <laughs> and that's because I was in flow state. And for me, like float states, this idea of like you unlocking something that you're really passionate about and kind of like just losing that sense of time. And it's, it's, it's been something that's been studied by the military and like basically companies for peak optimal performance so i think it's a huge mm. thing and i think in, more people need to be aware about it i got more into yeah. flow state when i got into like the flow arts like um so previously i used to work in investment banking and then i discovered kind of like burning man and discovered like fire spinning from that and i got into fire spinning and that was my form of flow state like every time i fire spun oh. yeah it's like it's pretty amazing so i do a dragon staff which is like the staff of like five spokes on fire and it just basically makes me forget about everything because I have to really focus. Like there's like fire, like like fire on <laughs> both ends. There's literally fire spinning around your head. Let's yes. focus. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so for me, like I can't think of anything else. Like I have to focus on the fire, like seeing it. You also hear it, like the fuel and everything else spinning. And then you smell like the fuel being burned off. So it's like this state of meditation for me where I lose sense of time and anything that I'm stressing about, it just like all falls away. So that's the idea of flow state to me. Gotcha. I think I think YouTube is my flow state then. Um, Perfect. Because I will lose all sense of time when I'm watching uh, watching Beat Saber videos. So, getting back to VR. So, in general, what's the best way to message VR? Um, both in the hardware and in the entertainment. My experience has been that it's a fairly uniquely personal experience that people really just have to do to really, you know, so to speak, get it. So how how can we actually make people get it without actually putting headsets on them? Or is that just something that has to, is that just, is that just going to have to be part of the process? I think it's just something that has to be part of the process. Like, um, okay. it's, it's really hard to explain. I think one of my friends had the best, uh, like analogy for it it's just like it's like you don't really know what lsd is like unless you take lsd like people talk about trips hallucinations and you have like uh episodes like bender snatch on netflix where they take acid and then you kind of get an idea but once you take it you're like oh this is lsd oh wow that's the same thing as uh vr because vr you're like oh i kind of see what they're seeing that's cool but then you put on the headset and you're like whoa I'm actually in these virtual worlds and they're like, whoa, like my hand. Whoa, like look at the scenery. Like I, I've been showing so many people in like Indonesia and like Colombia, like VR for the first time and their minds blown. They're just like, what is this? And they're like, how much is this? And they're like, wait, how does this work? They like, they're so freaked out. They were just like, what? This is where VR is at? They, they didn't realize it was this far. And a lot of them were like, this is addictive. This is amazing. It's like, how do we prevent people from living in these alternate worlds? Like, I feel like there's some people that just live in VR their whole entire lives. And for me, I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of really immersive. It's <laughs> amazing. But at the same time, like, I don't think anybody else can actually really understand what is VR unless they really try. It's like a personal experience. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, giving birth was this and this experience. But unless you've given birth, you don't really have anything to relate to. Um, if you never travel yeah. to another yeah. destination, you don't really know what it's going to be like. Like you're like, oh, yeah, Bali's mm -hmm. like this. But unless you're in Bali getting bitten by mosquitoes and under 100 degree heat and there's like humidity and then you're trying to like ride your scooter through the traffic and then there's like this truck that's coming along driving the opposite way. You're just like, oh, my God. So you don't really have that experience of Bali unless you're in Bali. So it's the same thing as VR. You make it sound so appealing. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. So, 
Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, you know, Swan, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to uh, to hop on the interwebs with me and and chat about all things VR. It's been really great. Yeah. Um, so VR is still really young. Like I discovered VR in like late 2016 doing Andrew Jose's microdose experience. And I was like, this is amazing. I want this to be my destiny. And I basically started doing VR art 2017. And then I created like a I created uh, Burning Man in Tilt Brush and gave like a virtual tour of it. And it got like 20,000 views in two days. And that's how the CEO of Live contacted me for the Beat Saber videos. So nice. it all happened in a couple of years. Like uh, I basically discovered VR 2016, started making content in 2017, went viral 2018. And then now I'm working for like this like game publisher 2019 and now I'm being digital man nomad 2020 so there's a lot of room for creative people to go into the space like what we need is more creatives to actually create really really cool content i think we definitely need more creatives hence why i'm thinking about moving to la after i get done with my travel and work with more like producers content creators creative directors and figure out how we can make more engaging creative content in the vr space and that won't happen unless we get more creative people in really pushing the boundaries like there's enough developers there right now so we just need more people willing to like create and play in the space that I look very I very much look forward to that um, you know as as much as I'm into I love VR you know I, like I said you kind of led me on a path to eventually get into VR myself so I, I really I personally I want to thank you and thank I also you. want to thank you for you know coming on and and being awesome for uh, for my show and I uh, hope to have you on again soon sweet thanks it's been a pleasure So that's going to do it for this edition of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'd like to thank Swan VR for coming on to the show to chat. And yes, I double and triple checked. She wants to be called Swan VR. Anyway, thanks also to co-producer Clifton M. Thomas for all his hard work behind the scenes. Be sure to visit BenefitofADoubt.com for written articles about the tech you love and the ways that you can help out the show. That's BenefitofADoubt.com. Once again, I thank you for reading and for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.